0: We're going to continue with our ongoing sermon series on Nehemiah, um, and this is part four of that series that will end next week at part five, uh, as I believe God is speaking to us about the lessons from Nehemiah, and what we can learn, and what a great story this is, as you know. This simple man, uh, the cupbearer, uh, in, effectively in Babylon, is touched, convicted to go back 800 miles to Jerusalem. Uh, to raise the walls, to protect the people of, of Jerusalem, to protect the temple. And so God convicts him to do that. He prays and he gets the pagan king to go along with it and be his partner. And what a lesson that is in ministry is how God can use so many disparate elements to advance the kingdom of God. But now we have to learn that as you're doing the work of God and advancing, that Satan will attack you. And I want to assure you, he will. If you're out there working for God, living the kind of life that God wants you to live, you will be attacked by Satan. And that's exactly what happens in Jerusalem as Nehemiah rebuilds the wall. And so I draw your attention to Nehemiah chapter 4, verses 1 to 3. When Sanballat heard that we were building the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed, he ridiculed the Jews. And in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, he said, what are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore the wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring back the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble burned as they are? Tobiah the Ammonite who was at his side said, what are they building? Even a fox climbing up on it would break down their walls of stone. Can you imagine? Can you see how Satan works? And one of the great tricks of Satan is to attack your self esteem. You're not worthy. You're not good enough. All right? You're not skilled enough. Who do you think you are? Uh, and I can tell you that I face some of these. Uh, attacks from Satan, even as God called me to preach. Because one of the first things that I had to r- reconcile in my life was holiness. And I kept saying, and Satan kept doing this to me, who are you to preach? You're not holy. You're like, not like your father or your grandfather. You're not holy until finally I had to say, that's right. I'm not holy. But under the blood of Jesus Christ, I am. God sees me as holy, and I can get up and preach because God has called me to do that. It's not about my personal holiness. It's cloaked, really, uh, in the garment of Christ Jesus. And so you see Satan here trying to destroy, and he does it by attacking our self-esteem. You're not worthy enough. And he does it in a mocking way, and that's what Satan does. He mocks. He mocks. And understand this. Don't think that a little guy with horns and a tail is the one that's mocking. But he inspires your friends, even your relatives sometimes, to raise these issues. Uh, And so humanity, inspired by Satan, uh, does these things. Can you imagine coming up and saying, oh, if a fox jumped on that wall, it would knock it over? The point of all these comments is to basically indicate that the Jews are in a hopeless situation. You're hopeless, Why are you even doing this? You can never fix this. You'll never be able to do it. So first, Satan questions the expertise of the people. You don't have the skill. You're not worthy. This is a waste of time. Uh, And and realize that God wants this wall finished. uh, And he wants it finished because he wants to bring the people together and draw them together. They even, Satan is even attacking the fact that they won't even be able to conduct their religious sacrifices. How about that? Satan worried about religious sacrifices? I don't really think so. But this is another way to denigrate the people of God. Each of these doubts, each of these salacious comments is meant to drive doubt and fear into the heart of the people. None of these people were obviously expert wall builders. They weren't called together because these guys were great uh, stonemasons. They were called because God said, with your heart, I can use that. And Nehemiah has already said that the uh, success of the project was not dependent upon the skill of the people. The the success of the project was dependent upon their heart and their commitment to God. Uh, And so here's the point. In the economy of God, and remember this, God did not expect them to build the world's strongest wall but he expected them to become the most godly people. Amen, church? And that's the nature of what God calls you today in ministry. Uh, you didn't, this is what the army of God is, to come together, to draw together, to pray together, to sanctify each other. God is on our side. God will raise us up. Uh, and so this becomes an important uh, message for us to understand. Uh, and so the response of a godly leader is to pray, the response of a godly leader is to call the people to sacrifice. Uh, and so uh, you see here Nehemiah coming together. And now, in the face of these satanic attacks, uh, you see Nehemiah making this impressive prayer in Nehemiah 4, verse 4. Uh, and there he says, Hear us, O our God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back. On their own heads, give them over as plunder in a land of captivity. I really like this prayer. This would really be the national prayer if you came out of the new york New Jersey uh, area, right Tim? And you understand this is a Lord, destroy them, give it back to them, let them feel your pain now, theologically, you see there's a term for this prayer, and so This is something you'll learn today, and if you're ever in Jeopardy, I hope you can use it. Uh, And effectively, it's called an imprecatory prayer. Imprecatory prayer, meaning asking God to deliver judgment against the enemies of God. Now, don't go praying this prayer if you got a little dispute with your neighbor, you understand? Don't be calling down the judgment of God uh, on your neighbor. You want to pray that your neighbor comes to salvation. And that's the general nature of how we pray, all right? But when you are seeing the enemies of God coalescing and attacking the work of God, this is really an appropriate prayer. Uh, And nobody did this better than David, uh, who has a number of imprecatory prayers in the Psalms. Uh, And most often used phrases like, quote, may their path be dark and slippery with the angel of the Lord pursuing them. Or here's another one that I like. Oh, God, break their teeth in their mouths. (laughs) This is David in the very lineage of Jesus Christ. And so you recognize this was at a time when he was being pursued by Saul to be destroyed. And so we understand that there comes a time when you see the enemies of God coalescing against God himself. Uh, And so here, Nehemiah prays to the Lord for justice in the face of the enemy. He calls for the Lord to enact vengeance upon these people because he recognized we can only fight so much within our own power. Uh, And so when the enemy begins to uh, discourage us, that's when we lose the fight. Uh, And Paul taught on this very issue. In Romans 12, verse 19, and there he said, Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. This is an important lesson for all of us to learn. We don't seek revenge. We don't have to make the attack ourselves. God will do it. And I want to share a personal testimony in my life as how I personally have experienced Uh, in my professional life, uh, what I would call the satanic attacks. You know, uh, by the time I was 40 years old, God had given me the grace to build a very successful law firm that I started by myself, and I had a number of lawyers that I brought on staff. And we had specialized in representing Fortune 500. We had a number of Fortune 500 clients. At one time, at the same time, I was representing General Motors and Ford, uh, in court cases, these were all court cases. And so business was coming in from all over the country I had been licensed in three states New York, New Jersey and Pennsylvania regularly traveled that circuit in court And yes, even tried cases outside. And so in 1990 it came upon a period of time in my life where I had three big cases gigantic multi-million dollar cases uh, one of them was General Motors uh, one of them was the Stroh's Brewery in Allentown, Pennsylvania. And the other one was the Brockway Glass print in Freehold. Multi, multi-million dollar cases, major cases. And I'm, I'm giving everything that I have to trying these cases. And remember, at the same time, I'm still the church organist. All right? I want you to understand something. So I'm, I'm committing myself to God yet I'm still the church organist. Uh, And so, you know, I'm working 14, 16 hours a day in in trial. And so just to give you an example of this, in the Pennsylvania case, after about eight days of trial, the judge's law clerk was an older man, came out and said to me, uh, and these cases go on for weeks, he said to me, Mr. Grippa, is your father still alive? I said, and I was 40, I said, yes, my, my father is still alive. He said, he must be very proud of you. I'm thinking, this is good. This case is going great. This is a winner. And you see, you begin to get puffed up in yourself. And then the verdict came out. And not only did I lose, but the the tax burden was increased. I was hired to lower the taxes. It was increased. It was such a, a monumental decision that it was on the radio. All right? I'm getting calls from people who heard it on the radio before I even knew what had happened. And I want you to understand, that followed shortly on the hills of the General Motors case where again I lost, and again the judge increased the taxes, all right, and on Brockway Glass, uh, same thing. Three major losses in a period of time within probably 18 months, uh, and I can tell you that Satan had me down big time. Was this the end of my professional life, Lord? Am I being destroyed here? And I'm coming and asking God, Lord, what is it that I need to do? And all I could do is, Lord, I can't do this myself. I need you to lift me up uh, because I was being ridiculed. There were judges who called me into their chambers and said, by the way, the word on you now is if clients want their taxes to be increased, they need to hire you. How do you like that? Do you see how Satan uses people? Even though I had been at the very top Of the professional food chain. All right. But when people see a chance to get you and destroy you and to pull you down, that's what Satan wants. And so I just committed myself to God. I said, Lord, you intervene. And in all three cases, I took all three cases up to the Supreme Courts. And in every single case, based on the grace of God, I reversed them all and won them and got big wins. And that was the hand of God. Don't ever think that you go around puffing your chest out. It's not that. It's you recognize that God has entered your life and God is delivering you from what could have destroyed you. And I'm sure each and every one of you have a similar story in your life, how Satan sought to destruct you and ruin you and and destroy you in every way. And so you see it here, Nehemiah coming, Lord, they despise us. They're ridiculing us, Father. Help us. Only you can do it. And so uh, God hears those prayers. He sees it. And so effectively, Nehemiah asks God to come back and lift up the people of Israel, and God does it. Uh, he effectively, he's saying, let their sin be brought back on their head. And as I've studied this and prayed about it, I realize that that prayer is really the word of God. You see, God is articulating his promise through the mouth of Nehemiah. He is prophetically putting his promise into Nehemiah's mouth. Let their sin be called back upon their own head. And so now if we look at Nehemiah uh, 4, verse 6, We read as follows, so we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height, for the people worked with all their heart. And so now the wall has reached half of its intended height. Uh, And you would think, well, you know what, now the enemies are going to give up because they can see the wall's halfway up. No, no, that's not how Satan works, you see. Satan says, wait a minute, wait a minute. We mock them, uh, we ridicule them, they wouldn't stop. Well, now, you know what? Now it's time for action. Now we're going to physically enter their realm, and we're going to physically destroy this, this wall uh, and, and see that the work stops. And so in verses 7 to 9 there, we read, But when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the people of Ashdod heard that the repairs to Jerusalem's wall had gone ahead... And the gaps were being closed. They were very angry. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem. And to stir up trouble against it. But we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. What I love here is the fact that they prayed to God but they still posted a guard. Do you understand? We pray. Lord help us. Lift us up inform us. And yet God says, I'm going to do that, but I gave you certain levels of intelligence. I gave you certain levels of skill. Use what I gave you physically to fight Satan, even as I will protect you and enter your world. And so Nehemiah does not record what happens here, but we know from uh, other readings written by the historian Josephus that a major battle took place. And many Jews were killed in that battle. Now, let me ask you a rhetorical question. Why would God allow Nehemiah to go back to rebuild this wall and then allow this attack to take place and have many Jews who are involved in this effort be killed? Why would God do that? How could God allow that? Well, you know, we never know the mind of God, but we can discern certain things uh, and And I believe that that there's several reasons why God would allow this to take place. First, the people are given a first-hand lesson about obedience. A first-hand lesson about why they needed the wall. A first-hand lesson about what security means. A first-hand lesson about what prayer means and sanctification means. A first-hand lesson about what the attacks of Satan are. Because you know what? Unless you have the dark days, you don't appreciate the bright days. Amen, church? You understand this? The only way we can gauge what God is doing us for us is when we see what happens when he takes the hedge down, the protective hedge down, In our lives. And so this becomes an important thing to understand. Secondly, the Lord has already established the chronological timeline for the second coming of Jesus Christ. He did that in Daniel, in chapter 9, where we're told about the 173,000 days. And so God knew that that wall had to be rebuilt and finished at a certain time because the eternal clock would start. And when the eternal clock started, it would continue until Jesus walked into Jerusalem on that Palm Sunday. And then we know that it would continue as the temple was destroyed. And it would be continual, it would continue until the tribulation period, the last seven years, and the Antichrist comes. And then it would continue until Jesus Christ would come back and retake this world once and for all. All of that would start at the completion of of the wall. And so it's important there that you understand that. So these very important reasons why this wall had to be built. Now, there would be a long history of attacks on Jerusalem. Very much so. And this is even described by Jesus in Luke chapter 21, verses 23 to 24. Quote, how, and this is Jesus, how dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. There will be great distress in the land and wrath against this people. They will fall by the sword and will be taken as prisoner to all the nations. Jerusalem will be trampled on by the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles are fulfilled. And the fulfilling of the time of the Gentiles is the second coming of Jesus. The times of the Gentiles is that time between the first attack of Nebuchadnezzar and the second coming of Christ at the conclusion of the tribulation period. Only at Christ's return, only at Christ's return, will Jerusalem return to a period of peace. Now look at that prophecy and look what you see. Throughout history, Jerusalem has been under attack. Period after period after period. One of the things that I've read that's astonished me is the fact that when Jerusalem was destroyed in 70 AD, uh, that, that, and more than a million Jews would be killed as the temple would be taken down so that one block would not stand upon the other, just as what Jesus prophesied. One million Jews died during that time. And the historians write that the blood in the city was ankle deep. Oh my. And so here's the point. As Jesus is telling you there, he's giving you a prophecy talking about what's going to happen in the last days. And in the last days, Jerusalem will be under attack again. uh, And the Antichrist will be responsible. uh, And people will flee. Jesus is warning them, get out of the city, go to the hills. Uh, And it will be a dark period of time. Uh, But we're prepared for that because Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. And guess what? At the end, we win. We win. And that's the important message to understand. We win. And so Nehemiah follows up the attack, this terrible attack, where where many Jews have been killed. Uh, And now everyone is praying together. Uh, There's a sanctification that's taking place here, even under this attack. And this is an excellent example to us of what happens when we're persecuted. And God understands that, that. That during times of persecution, we pray we pray. I have to say that. Uh, And I have to say that I want to thank the entire church for praying for my granddaughter. Uh, And I have to say it taught me a lesson myself, that I haven't spent that much time on my knees in a long time. Uh, and And really, I saw the power of God. And that's what God wants during dark times. He wants you to pray. That's the answer in your life. Get on your knees, And pray, seek his face. And that's what Nehemiah is saying here. This is what they're doing. And it brings a greater dependence on God. And as we have a greater dependence on God, we are brought together and we are sanctified together as a people. Uh, What a wonderful example this is and how God expects us to live uh, as Christians. And so this is how we follow the Lord in the face of adversity. And adversity is the byword that you will face in every day of your life as a Christian. You will always face adversity. You will always face attacks. It will never stop. I don't want you to think that. It will never stop. And so we can never uh, overestimate the power of prayer. Uh, there is a time to, to pray, and as simply also there is a time to act on the will of God. And so Nehemiah has set up the workers' to build the wall and at the same time uh, to protect the workers. He posts guards. Now, this is not an act of faithlessness, but it's an act of faith because we recognize that God has called us. He has called us to rebuild. He has called us to pray, Uh, but yet we have to protect. We have to be wary. We have to watch out. Uh, And so the lesson here really is that godly people depend on prayer combined with a willingness to act. Uh, And what I like here is the fact that they had a brick in one hand and a sword in the other. You understand? A brick as I'm physically relying and doing the work of God, and yet I have a sword. I have a sword uh, to defend myself. And the analogy today for you in your life is this. The brick is the ministry that God has called you to do. The brick, and we all have those bricks. And the sword is the word of God. And so there it is. The ministry combined with the word of God as you rebuild the wall. And I told you as we study this that the allegory in our life is not just to look at this as as a 2,000-year-old story about rebuilding a physical wall. It's about rebuilding the walls of broken people. That's what this is about. Because all around you, there are people with broken walls. You have them in your family. You have them in your friends. You're surrounded by broken walls. Well, open your eyes. Do you see the broken walls? God's called you to be a part in rebuilding them. And so as you lift people up and affirm them and pray, this is how God wants you to live. Uh, Because these broken walls will cause destruction in the lives of so many people. Uh, And so we have to be burdened by this, just as Nehemiah was uh, in such an important way. Uh, And so after the last attack, after the last attack, uh, the wall was built by men who held a brick in one hand and a sword in the other hand. And that is the way God expects all of us to do his work today. A brick in one hand and a sword in the other. Uh, And Jesus said this in John 14, verse 16, I have ordained you that you should bear much fruit. I've ordained you that you should bear much fruit, and that fruit is the brick. That fruit is the ministry. That fruit is the gifts that God gave you, that he expects you to use to advance his kingdom in this world. Uh, And so the man, really, the man with the brick in one hand uh, and the word of God in the other and a mind committed to work for God is the kind of man or woman that God will use in a powerful way. Affecting so many people. So now Nehemiah uh, verses 21 to 23 chapter 4 says as follows. So we continued the work with half the men holding spears from the first light of dawn till the stars came out. At that time I also said to the people, have every man and his helper stay inside Jerusalem at night so that they can serve us as guards by night and as workers by day neither I nor my brothers nor my men nor the guards with me took off our clothes. Each had his weapon even when he went for water. I want you to see how committed these people are and how committed you need to be. These people guarded the wall. They worked all day. And then when they finished their work all day, they went and became guards so that 24 hours a day, the work of God continued because the eternal Time clock is ticking, 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 and God wants it done. And so, so committed were they, they didn't take their clothes off. They just stayed and worked and worked and worked. And this has really impressed my heart so much. As I say to God, Lord, am I working enough for you? Do you expect me to do more for you, Father? What what bricks do you expect me to carry? And that's the message that you need to leave here with. That you need to be inspired and say, God, what additional bricks do I have to carry? Because clearly you see when people are sanctified and committed to his work, they join together and the wall gets done. It doesn't matter that they're going to be attacked. It doesn't matter that they're going to be mocked or ridiculed. God protects them. God lifts them up. And so you see this in such a a mighty way. And so as we do this, I want to cite the verse in Ephesians that really speaks to my heart about this condition and about us today. And that says as follows, and that's Ephesians 6, uh, verse 11. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Put on the full armor of God. Now, I can do a whole sermon. Don't get scared. I'm not going to do it now. But... Uh, Clearly, there's an entire sermon about putting on the entire armor of God. But briefly, so that you understand what it's about, it starts with the belt of truth, uh, and that is praying God's word in everything that you do. Have God speak to your heart. It's not about your will. It's about his will. And then you have the breastplate of righteousness. And that means be obedient to God. If he's called you, be obedient. And when you are obedient, you will be righteous. And then have the gospel of peace surround you. Look, it's his work, not you. It's his work, not yours. And so remember that even when you go and you advance the gospel, and Jesus said that if people don't accept you, shake the dust off your feet. Remember this. It's his work. If they're rejecting what you're saying, they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting him. Let him take care of it. Remember that. Wear the shield of faith. Set your faith in the character of God. That's your faith. That's your shield. This is how you ward off the attacks of Satan in every way. Through faith. Through faith in God and our Lord Jesus. And put on the helmet of salvation. That means keep your mind on God. Recognize that the salvation of Jesus Christ is controlling every aspect of our lives. Put that helmet on. As you go into this uh, spiritual batter. And carry the sword of the spirit. The sword of the spirit. What is the sword of the spirit? It's the word of God. Be in the word of God. Read the word of God. It's the roadmap for the rest of your life. You want a GPS how to live your life? You want a GPS how to get to heaven? He already gave it to you. It's called the Bible. Now read it. And study it. And fill your heart with it. And keep on praying. Keep on praying. Father, use me. Father, protect me. Father, deliver me from your enemies. And Father, help me to put the bricks that you want me to be. Help me, Lord, to to repair the broken walls all around me, in my family, with my children, with my friends, in my community. Help me, God, to recognize that there are broken walls all around me and you have called me to be a part of the church to lead this effort. Amen, church? Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, again, Father, I thank you for the great lessons of Nehemiah, how they inspire us and how we see that this mighty man led these people even though they were ridiculed and mocked and despised and put down. You're not skilled enough. You're not holy enough. Who do you think you are? And Lord, we have all of these attacks, even today. And so I know I see it in my church. And so, Father, I ask you to inspire every one of us to stand up against these attacks, to use you, Father, as our faith and our shield, to say to Satan, we will not be stopped. We will continue. We will advance the kingdom of God in everything that we do, Lord. And if we inspire, you inspire us to greater service. Bless our people. Protect them in everything that they do and bring them back to continue worshiping you next Sunday as we put all of this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen.